And I thought, yeah, what if I wrote a song about reminding me about the very specific experience that some of these very real people had, like the shepherds? Whoa, they actually saw angels. Like, whoa, they actually left their sheep and, and went to this cave and saw this baby. Lord, remind me that there was actually a guy who picked up his mat and walked. Like, remind me there was actually a guy who hung on a cross and you said, today I'll see you in paradise. And that I'm actually going to meet that guy one day. Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Luke Kennedy Podcast, where we're passionate about providing you with quality and affordable resources to help your band sound great, but most of all, to help you sound like you. My name is Matt McCoy, and I'm the founder of Loop Community. I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How's it going, Derek? It's good. Merry Christmas. Tis Merry the season. Christmas. How is your holiday season going? It's good. Do you have all your Christmas shopping done? Uh, most of it. A lot of it. My wife likes to get on top of it. If it was just me, it'd probably be done like next Friday. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys do it like really early? Yeah. Like, get all of it done? We do it pretty much as soon as people send like their list, then we order it all. And yeah. now it's so easy. You don't have to go to the store. I can't remember the last time I went to the store for a Christmas present. So Last year, Mary and I had all of our shopping done in August for wow. Christmas. And it was pretty amazing. It was actually the first time I've ever had shopping done that early. Yeah, that's And I will say that actually did increase the quality of life (laughs) around Christmas time if you have all that done ahead of time. For sure. This year, we're a bit behind, and we just finished yesterday. Oh, good. Which is good. Yeah. But still, you know, it adds some stress if you wait too long. Mm -hmm, For sure. What would you say is your favorite thing about the Christmas season? My favorite thing would be just the whole time leading up to it like i would say the weekend after thanksgiving we always get our tree um so we put it up and once it's all like done i mean getting the tree is fine but it's always a hassle so once it's all done and the house is decorated and even just like the regular days i don't know i see like chicago especially is decorated and you come home and your house is decorated just feels like a sense of peace and like just kind of takes a break from normal life when you get to go home and feel in the Christmas spirit and watch Christmas movies. So that's my favorite part about like the season. That is a fun part. That's definitely my favorite tradition is getting the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. That whole feeling like in the evening where you get the tree and you set it up and you know you have like hot cocoa and Christmas music playing and you decorate the tree, put the ornaments up. I think that's my favorite moment. But I'm actually not like a Christmas person. So like Hmm. after that moment, I'm actually kind of ready for it to be done. (laughs) Yeah. But I really enjoy like that day, like picking out the tree. We actually we went this year to Home Depot to pick up the tree. Same. To pick out a tree you did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chopped it down in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we pick out our tree. We bring it to the guy to, like, trim the branches. You know, he's asking us questions like how low we want, you know, the stump cut and all that kind of thing. And then he starts wrapping up, wrapping it up, like, in that netting. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, while I finish wrapping this up for you to put it on your car, here's your ticket and go inside and pay for it. So I was like, okay. So I walked inside, paid for the tree came back outside like maybe three or four minutes later (laughs) and i walk up to the same guy and i'm like hi and he looks at me with like a blank stare in his face and he's like hi how can i help you and i was like um i'm just here you know i just finished paying for the tree that right you helped me get he's like oh you already picked out a tree i didn't know yeah wait i just worked with you like five minutes ago (laughs) he totally forgot who i was and he's like oh uh what's your name i'm like matt he's like hmm i don't have a tree for matt (laughs) 
I'm like, wait, this is very confusing because I literally was just working with you like five minutes ago. You right. picked out our tree. And he could not remember. It was like Dory. Like, what's that fish in Finding Nemo? Dory. Dory. Short-term memory loss. Totally. And I'm like, he's like, well, is your tree around here? Do you see it? And I'm <laughs> looking and there's like five trees all with nets around them, ready to go. And I'm like, uh, I don't know which one it is. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, is it, maybe it's this one. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and so I don't even know if we got the right tree that we actually picked, but we got one. Got one. And it works. Good. It was a fun experience, but That's the Christmas funny. season is just, it's fun. There's yeah. a lot that goes into it. Christmas movies, mm-hmm. right? What's your favorite Christmas movie? Elf. Oh. I love it. It's funny. It's that all Christmas. It's great. I watch that every year. My wife loves that movie. Yeah. I have never finished it. I always fall asleep it? like yeah, in the last 20 minutes. I've never seen oh, the ending man. of that movie. It's a good ending. But that is a hilarious movie. So we have a fun interview today. Yeah, we do. With good friends, John and Val. They actually have an office just like a couple doors down from us here in Chicago. And they stop by and they write awesome Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And if you have not heard of Pray Tell, which is their band that they go under and they have some Christmas music, go to Spotify now and find Pray Tell Christmas music. Yes. It's called It's Almost Christmas. Great writers. John is also a really talented worship songwriter. Mm-hmm. So he kind of has a lot of different music in different <laughs> genres you know christian uh devotional kind of music and then worship music and then christmas music but anyways we had a really good time uh interviewing them so i think we should just jump right into it i'm excited for everybody to hear this interview here's my interview with john and valerie guerra it's almost christmas almost christmas i'll miss you John and Val. Mad McCoy. Merry Christmas. Best friends. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry We're Christmas. sitting here in the Loop Community office in Chicago, our favorite city. Our favorite city. Best city. It, when I was even just preparing for this interview, I'm thinking, what direction to even take this? Because, <laughs> totally. I mean, we're friends and we have so much like history together and stories. And also, I think what's interesting is that, like, John, you're a worship leader, uh-huh. you're a songwriter. You know, you write worship music, you write songwriter music, mm-hmm. singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Then you have Pray Tell, which also does singer-songwriter music. But then you have Pray Tell Christmas. <laughs> and there's a whole Christmas genre and brand totally. uh, behind your thing. And so it's like, where do we even like go with this? We could probably talk for hours. Who's this guy who can't decide who he is? <laughs> <laughs> there's like so much, and it's all amazing. Number one, I think it's um, kind of a sign of the times, to be honest. Like, I just feel like we don't really need to pick anymore. And for someone like me with so many varying interests, they don't feel disingenuous. It all feels very real. Valerie and I started singing together in chapels when we went to Moody Bible Institute. And then, you know, when we weren't leading worship in chapels, we would go to coffee shops or our first gig, actually, which is connected to the Christmas piece. Our first most prestigious gig we ever had was at Lickety Splits Frozen Custard and Treats. It's which amazing. is yep up in Edgewater. I think we put out a little like a candy bowl jar for tips, which we never got more than like fifty dollars in tips. But mostly, they told us that if we played there, we would get free custard. So we played a <laughs> lot of shows there. 
ate a lot of custard. We'll play for custard. Yes. Like the year after we got married, we had some friends over for like a Christmas party. And it was like, oh, wait a second. We all play instruments. Let's just kind of play music together. And that's kind of when our Christmas concert tradition party, John and Valerie slash Pray Tell, kind of started like six years ago in our apartment. So I guess it's it's just sort of like a, a sign of the interests. And I, I love leading worship. I love writing devotional songs to God. And I also love having fun with friends and Valerie and singing yep. non-religious music. Yeah, I think the the separate kind of projects started really because like under John Guerra had his singer-songwriter album and music. And then there was like John Guerra, the worship leader, writer and, and worship leader. So that stuff was all kind of under the John Guerra brand that was like Christian, devotional, worship. There were a lot of songs, I think, especially at Christmas that were coming up that didn't fit those molds. They didn't fit the Christian worship or Christian devotional mold. And then there were just a lot of love songs that we were writing that, like, again, weren't really fitting those molds. So we kind of started Pray Tell as like the duo project that's not necessarily Christian worship devotional. Right. That's more mainstream. And then we kind of tucked a lot of this Christmas stuff. Every year we've ended up releasing Christmas music. So that goes under, under, under Pray Tell. Tell. Mm-hmm. So there's really two brands. It's John mm-hmm. Guerra. Exactly. Worship. Worship and Christian. Like a Rich Mullins kind of thing. Yes. I Yeah. That's good uh, You flatter me. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Pray Tell. Yeah. Christmas. Christmas and mainstream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mainstream. General market. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. So tell me about this Christmas thing. I don't think I've ever met anybody who really writes Christmas music. <laughs> like Christmas music is always just this thing I've heard on the radio growing up. Totally. That someone else wrote like a hundred years ago. Right. I've never met like a modern Christmas. And have you ever, have you ever met anybody who's released two Christmas albums in no. a matter? <laughs> never. So tell me about Christmas music. Like how did you start writing Christmas mm-hmm. music and why? 2011, we got sick around Thanksgiving. We just gotten married. We just gotten married. And we started getting texts from Val's mom about Christmas lists. Hey, send me your Christmas list. Hey, do you know what your cousin wants? Do you know what your sister wants? When are you guys going to be home When are you coming home? And then it suddenly struck us, holy cow, we're like a married unit now. We need to like kind of contribute gifts. Like we need to buy things for people and that's going to cost money. We were in a season where I was in graduate school. John was... Working, writing commercial jingles. Yeah, that was in school. I was kind of gigging was like as a putting me through school. We didn't have a lot of expendable income. The text so like, come in from my mom, and we're just like, "Oh, okay, right. wait a second. What what should we do? We should write a Christmas song and sell it to our friends and family, <laughs> in order to make money for gifts for our friends and family." Exactly. And um, it was it's almost Christmas Chicago, and we just recorded it in our apartment. That was in 2011. That was yes, 2011. Yep. Wow. 2011. We re-recorded it and put it on a 2015 album, but that did decently, you know, on Bandcamp. We sold like... We sold enough for gifts that year. A couple thousand copies or something. Yeah. And then we were playing these like Christmas open mic, basically like open tip jar, free custard gigs at that Lickety Split custard shop. And our friends and family were coming and like throwing money in the tip jar. So we ended up making enough money for gifts that year. And we're like, let's do it again. (laughs) And it was kind of fun because songwriting was so serious for me. I think for a lot of people, songwriting is like, let me put my serious cap on. Yeah. But especially like, I think in the Christian devotional and yeah. Christian worship world, it's like the more serious, the more intense, the better. Right. But if you meet people that are very prolific songwriters, they're not very serious people often. They have a way of playing. They don't really listen to the pressure. They don't feel the pressure. They just kind of go. They just kind of like, they're spontaneous. And I think what, what I realized after that was we had such a good time writing that song. Yeah. 
people connected, I think, with the frivolousness of it, with like the playfulness of it. Yeah, it's and so it was, fun. Yeah. We literally mention every highway that comes into Chicago in the song. Yeah. And when else can you do that? Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh, wait, we can play. We can have fun. And it ended up being kind of an exercise of of just playing. Yeah, it was like fun songwriting together for us then. And then as the next year came, we were like, wait, let's in part initially motivated by let's try to make money for gifts again this year, but more because we had gathered all of our friends in our apartment that first year too. And we were like all singing the song together and singing Christmas carols. And we were like, Christmas music especially can be so fun, like you were saying, and kind of frivolous. So let's do it again. Let's write another Christmas song and release another song this year. Yeah. It turned into a bit of a tradition. And then two albums later. Well, <laughs> a couple albums in, we had like compiled a few little songs. A couple songs, song, couple years in. Yeah, a couple years in. We were doing one song a year and then 2014. Amy Grant somehow, the like CCM yeah. Christian baby, 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 pop star slash queen of Christmas. She has a lot of Christmas albums. Somehow she got her hands on a copy of that little like demo CD that we made for our friends and family. And she invited us to play with her for a bunch of shows down at the Ryman in Nashville. So we ended up cutting like yeah. an actual album out of our demos and kind of needed something to sell at those shows. And it was funny because I got signed in 2014 to Provident as is, John Guerra. as John Guerra and they were going through and being like, there's this kind of opportunity, but none of our artists really do Christmas music. And I was kind of a new signing. I'm like, well, you don't say. I do do Christmas music, and so does my wife. And, wow. you know, the opportunity yeah. matched. So that was It's Almost Christmas Volume 1. And then this last year, in 2018, we released It's Almost Christmas Volume 2, inventively yeah. titled Volume 2. And that Christmas show you did with Amy Grant, my wife and I actually got to go down there yeah. and, and see, I think two years ago or three years yeah. ago. It was awesome. And what is interesting, I was just thinking as you were saying that there is some similarities between you and Amy Grant in that she was a Christian songwriter, worship leader, maybe at a time. I don't even know if she was a worship leader, mm -hmm. but writing Christian totally. music, but then also released an album that was non-Christian music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now she does Christmas music too. Mm -hmm. And well, Totally. So there's kind of like this you know, merging of brands. Mm -hmm. Totally. No, I think she was definitely for the, that. We did that residency in, in Nashville for two years with her. And I think we learned a lot from her. And honestly, subsequently, we've done the last two years. So that's 2015 and 2016, 2017 and 2018. We've done our own headline things. And what's cool about the two brands is we booked some concerts at like a theater. That's just kind of a secular, whatever, bring your friends and family. But we've also done some church events where because of the pray tell connection and because of the john Gare worship leader connection churches see it as a time where like whoa a lot of a lot of people have family visiting who maybe aren't christians yeah and they need kind of a neutral place to go enjoy and so what they end up doing is bringing them to our concerts and ends yeah. up being kind of a mixture because we do you know the classic frank sinatra tunes and then we also do the sacred stuff uh -huh. and for me and you know this we've had so many late night conversations about this like a sub thesis of my life is trying to um, translate jargony Christianity into like actual lived experience yeah. and language that, that doesn't really isolate people from the conversation or doesn't yeah. marginalize people from the conversation. Right. Because what we're talking about when we're talking about Christianity is something that should be very low to the ground, very every man. And I feel like Christmas is kind of the perfect time to do that because like you've got sacred songs, you've got secular mm -hmm. songs. And people are way more open to it yeah. Christmas time. Yeah. And you guys do that really well at your Christmas show. I'm thinking of one person that I've invited a million times to church on Sunday morning. They never, ever would come. But 
you invite them to your Christmas show and they show up. Yeah. And it's just Perfect. because Christmas is such a neutral year. Like you said, it's so neutral. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes Christmas and yeah. everyone will go yeah. to a Christmas show. Totally. And it is such an amazing opportunity to, you know, share the Christmas story with people at that time. You totally. Know? So if you're listening to this podcast and you have not heard John's worship stuff, I highly recommend <laughs> that you listen to it. And you've probably have even heard it and you don't even know that John wrote it. Some of the songs, mm-hmm. like like he wrote the Love Came Down song with Matt Marr, which is a Christmas yep. song, but also non-Christmas, like stuff with vertical worship. Yep. Hallelujah, amen. I will follow. Uh-huh. What else None like you. None like you, yeah. Bound for glory. So there's a lot of Christian like worship songs that you've written and incredible writer. One of my favorite songs is I Will Follow. I'm curious from a worship writer and a Christmas writer. Yeah. What are the differences between writing for Christmas and then writing a worship song? Is there any difference or is it actually very similar? I think it, I think there's a big difference and there's also some similarities. I mean, obviously the kind of language that you can use when you're writing a worship song is it's getting it's getting wider, but it's typically pretty narrow because you're trying to write for a group of people, you're trying to be included into a canon that's constantly evolving and changing. But it's a set canon. Like people are used to saying certain things when they're worshiping. And I love pushing that boundary. With Christmas, it feels like because of the nature of the performance, it's a little bit more. You almost don't want it to be too serious unless it's going to be like meaningful or something. But even then, you still want it to be a little bit earthy and like material and like Mm. talk about specific things. Whereas sometimes in worship music, though, like I said, this is changing. You kind of have to almost be general because that's just kind of the nature of where the thing is at right now is like right. you're, you're saying these very general big things rather than very earthy specific things. Yeah. That's what I love about your Christmas music too. Cause Christmas music is always very happy and <laughs> you know, for the most part mm-hmm. it's like all I want for Christmas is you and like all this just really happy mm-hmm. lyrics. But I feel like your Christmas music, like you have some songs that are like that, but you also have some songs that talk about the hard things or mm-hmm. get into like the deeper deeper things of Christmas that yeah. these Christmas songs you hear when walking through Macy's don't typically have. <laughs> and there's a couple examples I want to talk about, but one of my favorite Christmas songs you've written is from your first Christmas album called Lord Remind Me. Mm. And I just have this memory like burned into my brain that I don't think I'll ever forget. And it was my wife and I were over at your guys' house. Yeah. And you guys had mentioned at that time that you were working on a Christmas song. This was like in July. Yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> and that you were working on a Christmas song. I can picture it like perfectly. Like mm-hmm. We gathered around in your living room and you played the song, Lord Remind Me. And I just remember standing there and both Mary and I were just like, just it just brought tears to our eyes because mm. it was just such a powerful, I had never heard anything like that mm. as a Christmas song. And can you tell us a little bit about that song, like where that even mm. came from? And Yeah, so I remember that night so well too because Mary I remember that moment on thinking I want to play every one of my songs for Mary <laughs> because yeah. she couldn't go seven seconds without blurting out some yeah. very encouraging thing and I was like shh just listen <laughs> yeah I know. she's so sweet um I remember driving down Western Avenue we live up north and I was driving south on Western Avenue it must have been January because it was snowing outside and honestly I have no idea why I started humming or singing but that phrase, Lord, remind me, Lord, remind me, came to my mind. And I started kind of humming, like, Lord, remind me. Uh, it just kind of started humming in the car. Yeah. And I don't really do that very often. I usually start on, a, on an instrument. But then I started thinking to myself as I was driving, 
well, what, what could that be like? And I was still in the Christmas mode because it was like January and I think we had talked with the label about releasing an album that, that next year. So I was like, well, what could it be? It's still cold. I should probably, you know, think about this. And then I thought, yeah, what if I wrote a song about reminding me about the very specific experience that some of these very real people had at the nativity, like the shepherds? Whoa, they actually saw angels. Like, whoa, they actually, you know, left their sheep and, and went to this cave and saw this baby. And then I just started being like, well, how far can I take that? Like, maybe it doesn't have to stop at the nativity. What if I just kept going? Like, Lord, remind me that there was actually a guy who picked up his mat and walked. Like, remind me there was actually a guy who hung on the cross. And you said, today I'll see you in paradise. And that I'm actually going to meet that guy one day. Like, remind me that that's a real thing that's going to happen because I don't really feel like that right now. Like, you know, there's usually a big, especially for people in ministry, there's a big slump after intense ministry seasons where they're kind of like, what was that for? Like Easter, Christmas, why am I doing this again? And I think I was feeling a little bit of that. There were a lot of hard things happening in the world at that time. It was was a dark year and a dark month, I remember. the beginning of kind of the political chaos, world chaos. It felt like it was just ramping up. Yeah, and a lot of our songs, when you write them, John, or when we write them together, we like, tweak them for months and months and they take a long time and I remember John you wrote this song entirely I didn't write this song and you came home and you said I had to like pull the car over because the song was just kind of like coming out like it was yeah so on western I just yeah I pulled over in front of a tie shop and I just started jotting down these lyrics and it again that never doesn't really happen a ton yeah I wish that happened more because usually it's a lot more difficult but that was a little bit more like whoa this is this feels really strong just I honestly get goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> People need to hear this song. We should play a clip of it. But the lyric, yeah, about the thief yeah. that hung beside you is with you now and waits for me. Waits for yeah. me. Like, what? Gosh. <laughs> like, that's such an incredible lyric. And mm. I do think that it's an amazing Christmas song. It makes me think of, like, I think it's Charlie Brown, like Linus or something who says, like, and this is what Christmas is all about. Mm. Like, like trying to like remind <laughs> totally like what is Christmas about? And you're right. Like we can get so wrapped up in all this other stuff. And it's like, Lord, just remind yeah. me of these things. And like, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me. That the shepherds heard the angels break the silence in the field that the wise men found a baby and they could not help but kneel that the one who heard a weeping became a child in manger sleeping lord remind me cause it's christmas and i want to remember I think ultimately the story of Christmas is Christ, God, coming to earth and joining in humanity. And what we as Christians, I think a lot of times we like to think of that as this glorious thing. And we we focus on the glory of that, which is true. But I'm a social worker and a therapist, and I've been working with refugee and immigrant populations in Chicago for almost 10 years. And hmm. I think both of us realize like when God joined with humanity, that's really God joining with human suffering. And 
he himself, even ultimately the cross is like the, I guess the furthest way possible with human suffering to the Mm -hmm. point of death. But Christmas is a time to remember that like he was, he was born to, to join us in our suffering in the world's suffering. And there's hope in that. And on some level there's yes, glory in the highest, but then as you say in the song, John glory in the lowest also. And, you know, Christ with us, he wore bullets, nails, and handcuffs. I was reading this book recently that, that pointed out that for every one time that the Gospels say that Jesus laughed, there's 20 times that it says that he was crying. Wow. Which is pretty insane. So he was a four? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, let's not even go into the yes. But that is pretty wild. But it's, it's not to say that he wasn't full of joy, and yeah. it, not to say that he wasn't, you know... There's obviously when you read Christ, you're like, man, this is somebody who's very self-possessed. He's always having a party. He's talking about, I'm going to prepare a place. But there's something very real about the incarnation connecting to the reality of our suffering in a way that is hope for us, but was, you know, death for him. Mm-hmm. And right. that's not to make Christmas suddenly about Easter, but you kind of can't really separate the two. Like, he, yeah. especially we were just in Israel and it was crazy. We went to a place that would have been a manger in that time, you know, a modern day manger or a, an, an ancient Near East manger, stable or whatever. And it was actually a cave. And it's where shepherds would take their sheep into this cave and then they'd roll a stone over it so none of the sheep would leave. At night, yeah. At night. Wow. So basically, <laughs> Jesus was born in a cave and then he was buried, in a, buried cave. in a cave. And it was like, that's his life. And and that's just crazy. It's just so endlessly, endlessly beautiful to me. Yeah, and it's all linked together. It's pretty incredible. And I think at Christmas time, it's not always rosy for people. Christmas can be a really hard season and a really difficult holiday. You come together with family and that's not always good for a lot of people. You are reminded of people who are no longer with you and that's a sad time. And if you only focus on the twinkle lights and the gifts and the love that you feel at Christmas, you're really leaving out a whole part of the story for a large swath of population. And even in my own self, like there's a part of me that, you know, yes, Christmas can be joyful and cheery, but it can also be really hard. And so holding those two intention in a good Christmas song really kind of addresses, or at least an album addresses both of those. Someone was just telling me, they're like, listen, you, unless you let yourself experience the low, (laughs) deep, lows in your heart and your soul this is actually a therapist that actually was telling me this he's like you won't be able to then fully experience the high joys of life because sometimes people are just like well i I won't go there we won't talk about those hard things yeah we'll stay on the highs by not acknowledging the lows and like going there you're almost selling yourself short of what you could experience of like really feeling the highs yeah i was listening to this that your latest christmas album and what I love about it as well is like we were saying before, you get like real and deep <laughs> into the hard stuff. There were two songs on there. You know, one's, you know, Be Yourself at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> which I think talks about, you know, not many Christmas songs talk about this kind of stuff because it can be hard around the holidays with family. Mm-hmm. And so your Be Yourself at Christmas is talking about that. Like just be who you are. Like, Or in the bridge of Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday, you're like, the season can be so hard when it feels like we're worlds apart. I don't know if you could put it any better than that. And you Hmm. feel that even more so when you're around a dinner table at the holidays. We were like, wow, we're family, but how are we worlds (laughs) apart? Totally, man. Like, how is that even possible? We're family, 
but I feel so disconnected from you in a way. Oh, gosh. This is what people are experiencing. It's what yeah, we've both experienced, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It feels very personal, too. Be Yourself a Christmas, the way I describe it, is like I wanted to write a kind of a love song for our friends because there's nothing more freeing than being with those people that you know you can be totally yourself with and just communicating that, like, I just always want to be one of those people for all of our friends, not someone who, like, oh, we're going to see them, so we have to, you know... Right. Lead with pretense and, but no, we can actually be totally ourselves. That just feels like a very liberating, I feel like it's more rare than I think we all like to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lyrics on that chorus If you're blue, that's okay. I'll take you anyway. I love you means you can feel free to be yourself at Christmas around me. Yeah. And there really is a message that, yeah, that I need to hear to myself, like sung to myself from myself, and then also to our friends and family that it's okay. You can be. Right. You can be yourself. That is actually like one of the most encouraging things. I think someone could tell another human Hmm. of just like, just be who you are. Yeah. Like who you are is great. Yeah. And just be who you are. And I love hanging out with who you are. Totally. Because I don't think we're told that enough. It's like you have to pretend to be someone you're not to be accepted. Or you have to like have some sort of image on Instagram to be accepted and to have likes. Right. Where... I think that can be really trapping for people. Totally. And it probably, well, I know it can feel very overwhelming and almost hopeless. Yeah. Of like, Mm -hmm. I can't ever be just who I am. And the holidays are definitely something that magnifies that. Totally. (laughs) For sure. So changing gears slightly. Yeah. As far as back to the worship leading side. Yeah. (laughs) Because a lot of people listening to this podcast are worship leaders. Yeah. I know for me personally, and don't take this offense, don't be offended by this. <laughs> no. <laughs> As a worship leader, for me, December is my least favorite time totally. to lead worship. I just have a hard time, you know, playing these old Christmas mm-hmm. traditional songs. And so I would rather just tell churches, hey, don't schedule me. I won't play <laughs> in December. Hilarious. I'm just going to be in the Bahamas all month. <laughs> for you, like, is December your favorite time to lead worship? Um, I think it was traditionally. So I... You know, I happen to enjoy all those old carols. I think the poetry is so interesting. I like all the weird words. Sometimes I feel like it is weird to go from singing, you know, How Great Is Our God, or whatever big worship. It's weird to go from that to, like, singing about donkeys. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that (laughs) does feel a little bit like, like an emotional left turn. But personally, I think it's an opportunity for worship leaders to... Remind people that number one, like this is way bigger than you. This mm-hmm. whole holiday is bigger than you. There have been people, there have been writers that have right. written for years and years and years about this amazing thing. And though it might feel a little strange to us, it's actually a connection to the past that I think, at least in Protestant circles, we don't have a huge connection with like the historic church. So one, that's an opportunity. Two, I feel like though some of us might not be into it, I think there's a lot of people who do, especially maybe some older people, it kind of it kind of connects them with their own experience, yeah. That I think sometimes they maybe aren't as connected with, you know, forty and up, fifty and up, and it's right. a way to love them well. Right. It's only three weeks. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is true. It is only three weeks. You just want an excuse to go to the Bahamas. I want an excuse to go to the Bahamas. <laughs> I can imagine there's probably some worship leaders listening to this who are maybe in a similar boat of like, oh. December's coming up. Totally. I have to. There's no other time of the year where you're actually prescribed right. songs. Like, 
Which also makes it seem like, okay, well, you can get through this. Right, listen. no, totally. Well, it's a little bit of a liturgy, I think. Like, you're yeah. leaning into a liturgy, and in a lot of evangelical Protestant right. churches, that's not really something that you do. In, in fact, it's the opposite that's lauded. Pave your own way, write yeah. your own songs. So this right. can feel like a left turn from that. I think leaning into the liturgy, it can be a beautiful way to bring in more traditional elements into the service. Like, I'm a string player myself, so I'm always partial to, like, adding strings to services and leaning into and yeah kind of a I don't know more traditional more historic way of embodying some of these worship experiences maybe it's not so much about making people come along with you on an emotional journey but maybe it's actually just letting the songs speak for themselves and the history and the nostalgia of some of these songs in times and places when you've sung them in years past like letting that do the work I don't know Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Because I didn't grow up in a non-denominational church, and so when I go to like a Catholic mass, I actually really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I'm like, oh, there's a structure. I love structure. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. B. There's predictability. Yeah. Which kind of goes along with structure, and I love predictability. But what I also love is just the the connection to history of like yeah. Their church. There's churches all around the world saying this exact same thing. Yeah. And they've been saying it for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Totally. And there might be something to that in a way. Right. And that's a good way to think about the Christmas season as being a time to reconnect with that traditional. Yeah. And and lean into the otherness of it, maybe, rather Mm -hmm. than... Hyper-individualism? Well, yeah, that, but also non confrontational to like modern sensibilities as possible which i think is really great in the 80s and the 70s we're like okay how do we just get rid of the church stuff and just make it understandable for people you know guitars we can wear jeans on stage we can use this language in sermons and that's really good and i'm really for that but i think perhaps the pendulum has swung so far the other way where sometimes it feels like there's nothing sacred about it there's nothing other about our services like Mm. right whereas when you go to a mass or you go to an orthodox service it feels like it's so slow. There's something different happening. And it almost feels like, oh, we're talking about it. This is something else. This isn't just mm-hmm. a concert. Yeah. This isn't just. So I think Christmas could be a time people lean into that otherness. Like, no, guys, I know this is weird language. I know that you might not know these songs, but take a second. Like, mm-hmm. yep. you know, maybe you don't have to sing. Maybe we don't need to encourage them to sing. Maybe we just encourage them to sit and. Yeah, just think. Enjoy the four minutes when they're not chasing their kids around, you know, whatever. Yeah, right, right. So on a lighter note, What's each of yours favorite Christmas tradition other than putting out a Christmas album every year? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Oh, my gosh. My family, we all make a pilgrimage to Iowa. My grandparents live in Iowa and we all come from various and sundry corners of the world and the country and we meet at my grandparents' house. There's a porch that doesn't have any heating or air conditioning. So it's like the cold porch in the Iowa winter just like holds sausages and cheeses and cookies and it's like full of goodies and my grandparents love going to flea markets all year and they collect stuff from flea markets um (laughs) and antique markets and they like put it all in the basement and we all get to like choose something every year that's That's like either from their house or from one of the markets that they've been to it's a really fun tradition and we we all just kind of gather around my grandpa reads the christmas story from the bible we sing a little bit. There's a yeah. program that all the grandkids, the young, the little ones now will like play their tiny violins for everyone. And we all. That's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun tradition. That's a good one. Something you'll probably do at your, you just bought a house, Matt, didn't you? I did. So maybe in 10 years we can all get together at the McCoys. Yeah. 
you can choose something and take it home with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a book Here's or an antique. First generation Looptimus <laughs> right. on the shelf. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I know. I have to start thinking about that kind of stuff. Totally, man. What kind of traditions do we have at our house? Yeah, what are your traditions? Well, I was just thinking, I think and this is so lame, but I think that I think just getting the Christmas tree. Yeah. Which that's it's a that's lame. Cool. That's a very normal one though. But I love just getting the tree, setting it up and decorating it. That's probably my favorite part of Christmas. Do you get a real tree? Definitely. You go and cut it down there and everything? To, no, no. We'll go to like Whole Foods. Okay. <laughs> okay. You use your Amazon Prime right. membership. That's amazing. When you John um, favorite Christmas tradition. I have none. I don't feel like I have any traditions. I do enjoy the city. This is a PSA. Chicago in December is awesome. Yep. You cannot help but feel warm and fuzzy. Yep. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Very Christmassy. Art Institute lions have wreaths around their necks. <laughs> Intelligentsia has like some new yeah. transgressive holiday art on the walls. You definitely need to check out Chicago in Christmas time. John, this has been awesome. I feel like we could talk for hours i know all sorts of stuff we probably need to have you back on just to talk yeah, about the worship it. side please we go way back man yeah you I guys know. are old friends i was thinking this morning we'll just leave everybody with this but i was thinking this morning oh, no. about you and i shared a hotel room one time <laughs> out out by o'hare which is an airport in chicago for like a worship event that was happening out there and you know we're in this hotel room in the middle of the night at like two or three in the morning <laughs> oh, i no. have this weird strange sensation that I'm getting electrocuted. <laughs> and what? I literally, it felt like I was getting electrocuted. And I, I remember like rolling out of bed, <laughs> like very abruptly. Yeah. And using my arms, pushing the electricity off of me. Like I'm rubbing my leg, <laughs> pushing the electricity off of my arm. Totally and I'm getting electrocuted and I were start rolling. Were you really rolling. getting electrocuted or were you dreaming? I don't, well, I don't know. Hard so I woke I up think, in the middle of the night and Matt was like furiously rubbing electricity off of himself. Oh my And I had gosh. crawled over to the front door and of the hotel room. What? Yeah. I crawled from my bed, like Ar- pulling army myself army crawl across like, the hotel room. What is happening? And you're like, I'm getting electrocuted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I start feeling the room. And I think at that point realized, okay, Matt's either having a dream or God forbid, like a psychotic episode. Yeah. But I remember you touching the wall. Totally. Touching the floor to see like, because I was like, John, don't touch anything. You're going to get electrocuted. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but here's the thing about you. If anybody was going to get electrocuted in a hotel room, it's going to be Matt McCoy. Like, of all the people. Matt has crazy stories. He's got crazy Have stories. Have you guys done an episode on this podcast where you've just, just shared some of your craziest oh, life gosh. experiences? I, we probably should. We should interview you next time. Yeah, There are the... some good stories, including Loch Ness Monsters. Oh, I know. It goes on and on. But you're right. Something like that would happen to it me. It really would. Totally. Because I thought maybe my hand had like reached down behind the bed and exactly. like, touched the socket that was open. Right. <laughs> that happened to be open. The maintenance oh man left it off. Anyways, but I remember like oh, finally kind of waking up slowly and being like, okay, I'm not electrocuted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I stood up to go back to bed and I see you laying sideways on the bed <laughs> with your hand on your stomach. And I'm like, John. And you're like, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think I had traumatized you so much. (laughs) I was traumatized. I was exhausted. Oh, dude, that's a good good memory. But anyways, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. If you guys have not listened to... Where can people find your music? Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Play, wherever you listen to music. Yeah. Tracks on Loop Community. Yeah, Tracks on Loop Community, especially. Um, 
the Christmas stuff, John Garris stuff. It's all on Loop Community. Another thing that I'd like to plug is we filmed a ton of videos for this new Christmas album in Paris right. about a month ago and releasing those slowly but surely pretty much every other day in December. And so there's all these kind of live one-shot videos. They look really good. It's just Paris. It's beautiful. That's going to be our next tradition. Paris at Christmas. Ooh. It's amazing. You could do a whole Paris Christmas album. Oh, my Ooh, gosh. In French. Just... In French. <laughs> en français. Oh, man. Pray so, tell in French. Okay, well, make online. sure you guys yep. check out John Gare worship music, yeah. John Gare songwriter music, Pray Tell, all of this stuff. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this. Thanks, man. Love you guys. See ya. Love you too, man. Peace. Hey, community. We released our first original song under the brand Community Songs. The first release is At Your Table, recorded by Jared Anderson and produced by Michael Rosbeck. Our goal is to champion great songs of the community. Let's listen now. You can download the master multi-tracks for At Your Table on loopcommunity.com and be sure to check it out on Spotify and Apple Music. This is Community Talk. So Matt, do you really think you were getting electrocuted in the hotel room or do you think you were dreaming? It's very debatable. I think that there is a chance I was actually getting electrocuted. Wow. (laughs) I mean, even though I inspected behind the bed to make sure there was no open wires or anything, I do think that maybe I got shocked by something. But I don't know. We'll never know. All right. It, it was so real that it makes me think that, oh, and I, I never said this in the actual interview, but my arm and my neck hurt for huh. like a week after that. Wow. Which makes me think I literally had something happen Some to my body. Some kind of pain or yeah. like shock or something. Exactly. So wow. I don't know if I like, I don't know, crushed a disc or something while I was sleeping. Yeah. Or, but yeah, we'll never know. Exactly. But <laughs> So Derek, where did you first hear John Gira's music? I first heard... I Will Follow, which is still my favorite song by John um, at church, but I didn't know who John Gare was. Um, It was one of those things, like you hear the song, you sing it at church, and then you go look it up and add it to a playlist and listen to it all the time. right. Um, So I heard that first, and then a couple years later when I moved to Chicago, I actually met John uh, at church, and I was like, Oh, you're John Guerra. Like I know one of your songs, and then I think I kind of, that kind of inspired me to look him up more and get to know all of their music, yeah. and then learn about their Christmas music and pray tell. And and then we happened to all be in the same small group together. We did, that which was is cool. Fun. Yeah, John, John and Val actually played at our wedding, at Mary and I's wedding, and cool. they played "I Will Follow" as uh, one of the songs and "Ever Chasing God." And I remember meeting John on a songwriter retreat and just immediately loving him and just hanging out with them and mm-hmm. uh, there's countless times just like hanging out and talking about theology and all sorts of things and uh his music's really incredible yeah and now the new thing that he and val are doing together pray tell they have that song better together which is awesome yeah it's a good song so what stood out to you about that interview i liked that they talked about how christmas music 
can connect you to parts of history. Like a lot of these songs, even though we're like, oh, we hear them on the radio every year, they're whatever, we only listen to them for a couple weeks. A lot of them were written a long time ago. Like I don't think Joy to the World is a very new song, um, just songs like that. And then they kind of take a fresh twist on different songs, which is really cool. Yep, right. Uh, and it just connects you to history. Yep. And it makes Christmas songs feel a lot more important yeah, than right. just like hearing them at the mall. Yeah. I love that part of the interview when I was telling him that I actually don't like leading worship during yeah. Christmas time because I don't want to do Christmas songs. And he was just like, hey, don't be a wimp. Like it's <laughs> only three weeks. Yeah. And that's so true. It's like, it's only three weeks. You can get through it. You know, if, if a worship leader is listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't have to play these Christmas songs or mm-hmm. play these set lists or do this Advent thing. It's only three weeks. And it does, it is a really cool perspective to think about that it is something that connects us to history and something that the church has been doing for hundreds, hundreds of years, you know, mm-hmm. and singing songs that are different than what we sing all year long. I think it is kind of a good break in yeah. a way. And it makes just like what we're celebrating seem more important. It's not just like, let's sing the same songs we always sing and then we'll celebrate the yep. birth of Jesus. It's cool to have songs specifically for that to show how important it was that Jesus was born as a human and came to earth for us. Right. So it's a great reminder every year, I think. What else stands out? Yeah. Going off of that, like I was thinking about different things that sometimes we don't like to do as worship leaders. Like if someone's like, here, these are the songs you're singing. That always kind of can. Yeah. uh, It's prescribed. It's the only time of year where like worship is like very. Yeah. Much prescribed in a way. Right. Or if there's a Sunday where you thought you were going to play certain songs and then someone comes to you and is like oh actually we're gonna play these songs this week it can be hard to realize like why that person might be doing that or why you have to do things a certain way or why you only get to sing three songs before the service instead of five or something like that and i think it's just important to remember to look at it from different perspectives and be like okay well why are they asking me to do that and if you don't know ask them they might have a very specific reason Um, everybody in the church might want you to only sing three songs instead of five. Right. But it can be hard as worship leaders to swallow our pride and remember that it's not about us. Yeah, no, it's a good time of the year to just pause and reset even for, you know, launching into the new year. And I think John and Val do a really good job at that, of like writing just real, honest songs. Yeah. Whether it's Christmas or whether it's worship stuff or whether it's, you know, the non-Christian kind of the general market music they do. Mm Mm-hmm. You know that whatever it is they're writing, it's going to be very real. And that's what I love about their songs. Like, I will follow Ever Chasing God. Like, he just has a way of saying things in a way that connects with you in a deeper way. And it's not cliche lyrics. And some of these Christmas songs, which you've got to listen to this album. Yes. Search for It's Almost Christmas on Spotify. Uh, These Christmas songs are not your typical Christmas songs. Not all of them, you know? One of my favorites is um, Will I See You at Grandma's House. I think Val mentions that they go to Iowa every yeah. year and actually connects a lot to my family. There's a lot of similarities. We always go to Indiana every year and there's the same type of thing. And no other Christmas song that I've ever listened to has been like that spot on to right. my life. And that's just an example of all of their songs. Like right. they have a song that's about Chicago. He mentions all the different yeah. highways of Chicago and it's fun my wife and I, when we're driving out of Chicago to go see family, like it's fun to be on the expressway that they're singing about. Yeah, right. I-90. And yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. The I love the song too, I'll Be Home for Christmas and the mashup they did with The Way You Look Tonight. Yeah, that's really And it's good. just like a very creative take on it. 
And that's the thing about John. He like basically speaks in poetry mm-hmm. in a way that really tugs at your heart. One of my favorite things is that a tradition at his birthday party is we sit around a campfire and we'll like go around and he <clears throat> chooses a piece of poetry for every person to read. Cool. And we, you know, each are assigned a piece of poetry or you're supposed to bring one even and you can share it at the campfire. And it's just like, it's this hunger and thirst for like things that are just deeper yeah. and, and language that can be lost like in today's world. And so I'm always inspired by my times with John and Val. So yeah, so make sure if you have not heard their music, check out their music on Spotify. Search for John and Valerie Guerra. Search for John Guerra to hear the worship stuff and uh, search for Pray Tell and listen to their recent Christmas album. It's awesome. You will not want to miss it and you will have a very Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. No matter how much of a Grinch you may be, <laughs> you will have a Merry Merry Christmas. Derek, see you in the new year. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. Merry Christmas, Loopers. Yeah.